dollar is very strong right now. I'm not sure what's going on with the Canadian dollar, but have you actually held Canadian money? Decades ago, when I was a kid, I wasn't. I went to um, Canada with my family, and let me tell you the trauma that ensued there. First off, we got over the line. I mean, I was quite young, and uh, well, quite By young, line, like 12, you mean border? I assume. I guess, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Just- we went north of Massachusetts, and we <laughs> in this lovely little place called Don't Make Fun of Me, Montreal. Montreal. But the minute that we crossed into Canada, now this mm-hmm. is the. 80s mm-hmm. i'm gonna say early to mid and the first thing we noticed is how clean the country was oh we were you. all this was us going oh, look how clean the like that was our big thing not anything else it was how clean that country was because the 70s i mean anything before like you know 85 even before 89 i mean was trash in the states really you know? it was very messy uh, very dirty. Everybody littered everywhere. So yeah, I didn't. That was what we remembered. But then, I think we went to the Montreal Zoo or Quebec Zoo, Montreal. I think it was, and um, and this, that, and the other. Oh, oh, our trip and everything took pictures. But back then, we would take the film and we would send it oh. to the mail. Oh wait a second! Wait a second! What? You would take the film and like to get it processed to get it developed. Well, there were two choices. The cheapest choice was to send it through the mail at this oh, thing okay. called Clark's photo developing. The other choice was to find a photo mat. This right. is, this is before the one hour photo. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Going back a little anyway. And they lost my film from Canada. Oh. So that's why I have to go back. Um, yeah. And, oh. uh, so it's kind of like, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, does anybody hear it? Well, I mean, um, it's like, did you really go now that you don't have any footage and memorabilia from it? I'm having well, my doubts. Well, I mean, it's like anything else t- these days. I mean, now everybody, I mean, I always took my camera everywhere anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, back then, you know, now everybody is, if you didn't take a picture of it, it didn't happen. But back then, I I'd lo- always loved to take pictures. So I know. And getting them developed was so exciting. And now it, it was because it would come. Yeah. I mean, you had to wait for it. I know. Anything you have to wait for. It's like our listeners having to wait a whole week for a new episode. If we do it on purpose so that people will anticipate so that no matter how crappy an episode is, you want it so badly (laughs) 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 that it seems good. This is our tactic. This is our strategy. (laughs) Listen, I am going to admit to you that I'm little down, not down. I'm perfectly happy but i'm tired so if i'm not as perky as i should be i apologize but let me just tell you you're talking to an olympian here or a soon to be one i know i mean believe me i know i know i woke up at the crack of dawn to go run nine kilometers up a mountain (laughs) 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 because that's it (laughs) and i nearly lost my life when i stabbed myself with the pin from the bib Mm -hmm. for the race yeah Mm -hmm. I mean, it wouldn't stop bleeding. I thought it was, I, that was it. That was my last uh, day on earth. But the paramedics rushed to my, uh, to my aid. Um, and I knew better. I said, I, I was trying to make it stop bleeding for a half hour. And I knew better, but I went over and said, could I have a Band-Aid? God. Well, you how I didn't get rushed off to the hospital in an ambulance, I don't know. Four people were around me. One's got the, the fighting with the gloves. Everyone's got to put on gloves. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seriously, give me the mandate. I'll do it. You know? Yeah. 
no, 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 we have to put saline on it. And then I had another cut from peeling potatoes. So they had to put saline on that too. I'm like, no, no, that was from the house. Please, my race is about to start. And then they break out the, what is it, the betadine or the iodine, whatever yeah, it is. Now now yeah. we've got to kill any more germs that could possibly in from the clean pin that I poked my finger with. And then... Dude, a bit of thick pin. <laughs> it wasn't a thick pin. It, would ju- it just went right underneath my nail, so it just wouldn't stop. Ow! Yeah. Oh, my sorry. God. Oh, you I should have mentioned that from the beginning. I'm sorry. That's but a it very was different wound. I know. Well, now... My hands are stained yellow. I've got all this yellow dripping betadine going down my hands. Now, of course, my thumb is so wet from all the saline and betadine. This guy thinks he's going to put a Band-Aid in it. No, no, we're going to take a big open, a big thing of gauze. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's wrapping it around. He's trying to figure out how to do it. I'm like, seriously, just put a Band-Aid over the top and one around the edge. That's it. Nope. No. Finally, he puts a Band-Aid on. It looks like a two-year-old put it on. And he's like, oh, if it falls off, it falls off. Well, thanks for your help. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But to be fair, if you had gone and they had been like, oh, you know, whatever we, you know, just deal with it, you would have been like, where is the level of quality service here? I mean, why isn't any, I mean, maybe you you could argue that, you know, why can't we just have like an in-between sort of situation? Well, normally I would be like that, but the 21 kilometer people had already gone, which meant we were going next. Mm-hmm. Just needed my Band-Aid. That's yep. it. Yeah. Give them one a Band-Aid. Are you yep. okay? Are you sure you're up to do this episode? Because that, you know, <sighs> a, a pinprick under the nail. Wow. That's it was a traumatic a day. It was a traumatic day, but I'm yeah. going to try to pull through. Okay. You know. <laughs> All right. If I pass out suddenly, you know, it was from, you know, pain and agony from the day of. Yes. You know, so it's funny how, you know, all of a sudden running nine kilometers up a hill pales in comparison to stabbing yourself with uh, a pin. I mean, maybe, I know, I know. maybe Chris, maybe the pin thing happened to divert your attention from how hard it was going to be to run up that hill. I mean, Kate Bush talked all about this in that famous song. Running up that road, running up that hill, prick myself with a pin, got to take a pill. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm going to get my walker and explain to you. I have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> Me neither. Okay. But can I just say this? Now, yeah. so I was going for, now I am, so let us not be confused. I am no athlete. <laughs> okay. I will exercise. Or podcaster. <laughs> right. Or podcaster. But I don't want people thinking that I'm some like ultra marathon person. You got to understand I plot along my fives and tens and I just get my little medal at the end and I'm a happy person. I don't think of you course, should downplay today I got what you're doing. two medals. Two? I only knew about the one that you texted to me. Okay. Oh, wait. If I'm not mistaken, two. the picture had two medals in it. <laughs> well, oh, that's what that was. So wait a second. You came... <laughs> You, yep. Well, you were, you said something up, there was a blood stain on what the That was my or, DNA, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to be honest, you can't expect there to be blood somewhere <laughs> for me to focus on anything else. I'm not this kidding. Like, blood was everywhere. Everything I touched and everywhere I moved, there was little drops of blood everywhere. It was ridiculous. Oh my God. People are going to think this is a true crime uh, podcast. <laughs> I, I, I did. I came up and told my husband, I said, if the car looks like, you know, something, <laughs> there was a crime committed and there it wasn't, I had a... Uh, a pinprick in my finger. 
Oh my so, god! But wait a second. What medals did you get? Well, of course, the you cross the finish line didn't die medal. Aww. I know. And then I came in third for my age group. Wow. I know. Twenty-four to thirty-five. Okay. <laughs> I will say Amazing. no. I. You know what? I. I mean, I was proud of myself. So I'm coming down the hill, right? Now I've right. already gone eight kilometers. My my watch buzzes. Like one more to go. I'm dying. Oh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. But Elise is downhill, right? And I'm running. And I saw these two people ahead of me. They had been behind me. But because it was a steep uphill, you know, you so you end up walking it. Because, again, not an ultra marathon. Mm-hmm. So they ended up in front of me. And I'm being selfish. And I'm like, she could be in my age group. Which means if she goes across that line before me, I may not get on that podium. And I want to get on that podium. I never get on that podium, by the way. So... I had the Rocky theme song in my headphones. <laughs> Seriously, if you could hear, have it playing above it. And there we go. I'm huffing up, up and didn't I? It was her and her son running, and he was looking around. He was looking to see if anyone was behind him. And I went right between them and went right for the end line. <laughs> oh my God! Did you? Okay, let's be honest because nobody's listening who was at this race. I'm sure. Did you give them a little elbow? Just a little elbow. Just a little nudge. No, but I was smirking to myself as I went through because oh. I knew they were watching to see that I was far enough behind. Which was silly because we weren't near the front. <laughs> Nobody was getting any major award. So I looked on the results and she wasn't in my age group anyway. She was actually slightly under me. So, <laughs> But still, it was just that, that little nudge you needed to, yes. to get ahead. <laughs> and yeah, so that was my day. That's why I'm a little off, but all of this with a pinprick i mean honestly it really is there nothing you can't do chris i know the amount of blood that was lost today and yet i still mustered through and i you know i powered through wow well you know it's not um i don't just choose anyone to do a podcast with i understand you are my podcast uh co-host of choice because you can do that kind of stuff i'm pretty much a powerhouse but who am i to say All right, let's see how much we can power through with this let's episode. Let's power through this because it's your yeah, week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how you do this week. I, once again, have no idea what your uh, topic is on, and I'm sure I cannot guess. No. Um, so, all right, so that's the intro. Yeah, you know, you know where okay. we are. We're, today we left and learned, yada, yada, yada. You can, you know, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for your support. Okay, Deb, your turn. Oh boy. Okay. Wow. That was, uh, that was quite the buildup. I just want to say something that stuck with me from our last episode, but it will be brief. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you say that, I think it was Americans spend like 9.2 billion? No. Million dollars on Halloween. No, no. Price of candy is quite expensive. Billion. Billion. Like, do you even hear that number? $9.2 $9.2 billion. <laughs> okay. I feel like, who is it? Let's dissect this for a second. Okay. There's a lot of people in the States. Yeah. Okay. You could probably Google later. it and find out there's lots of them. Yeah. Now, those people, not only do you have to buy multiple bags for trick-or-treaters, mm-hmm. many of those trick-or-treaters' parents have mm-hmm. to take those kids to parties. Mm-hmm. They have to oh, take, no, send no. candy to school. Yeah. And you, of course, when you do that, you have to buy yourself an extra bag because it's Halloween and, you know, you have yeah. to. 
Okay. So, and a price of uh, the price of candy now, like a small yeah. little bag of Snickers, like would yeah. you know, almost. Not, I don't know. I can't even say for sure. I think it's like six or seven dollars. I mean, it's expensive. Yeah. Was that product placement? Because I don't think we're getting paid by Snickers. I'll bleep over it or something. <laughs> no, I can guarantee you we're not getting paid for that. I promise you that. Don't worry about it. We are not getting a dime off of that one. Okay. I just want to um, say that I am all for joy and people having fun and celebrating. Absolutely. I mean, there's, you know any reason for anybody to celebrate and have fun, I'm absolutely for it. But that's a staggering number. And I think that, you know, <laughs> I'm getting on my podium now that <laughs> we need to really think about, <laughs> don't roll your eyes at me. No, I'm Googling. <laughs> like, okay, no, but I'm not saying, I mean, people who, you know, spend this money on Halloween, I, you know, absolutely. I'm not saying that they don't contribute to the, the good of the world as a whole, um, absolutely, everybody might be doing their own thing for the sake of humankind. But that's a lot of money that could be spent saving lives, um, like stopping the humanitarian crisis in Yemen. So all I'm saying, and believe me, I'm no saint, uh, I definitely am a consumer, and um, I could spend money, you know, better ways. But I really think we need to think about that number and how we need to like tone that crap down okay and you do realize everybody isn't spending that much per person right <laughs> i know but 9.2 billion billion dollars on halloween okay oh my god 9.1 billion oh sorry Divided then i okay oh 320 of course this is not accurate because oh um, <laughs> but let's do know. it anyway yeah <laughs> is anything we talk about accurate actually <laughs> yes yes there is no, it is. It is. It is. Uh, you are calculating live on this. I'm calculating live and I got denied. <laughs> you got denied. Okay. Well, that's because I tried to Google it when I should just use a calculator. Okay. You Nine. know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just No, it, it obviously oh, it matters boy. to you. Well, I just, I'm sorry. It's a staggering number. I just think that we could tone that down and spend like half of that. Um, like. And the thing is that not every single American is buying Halloween candy because there are a lot of Americans and a lot of you know Canadians who are under the poverty line. <laughs> oh my God, who gave me this soapbox? You I, know. I don't know, but like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm listening. I'm just dividing. so I'm thinking that only people with the financial stability to support this nine point two billion dollar Halloween habit are spending that money when it could be better <laughs> distributed. Okay. You, you're gonna it comes up to $27 out, right? per person. That's a lot of money. Well, it is and a lot of money. And it's not per person because there yeah, are a lot know, of people who don't celebrate. There are a lot of people who can't afford to celebrate it. So I can't, it just, sorry, I, any listeners that might have been listening have probably tuned out now. Excuse Deb while she sucks the life out of Halloween. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it's all about spookiness. So I it's hope all about it's, Deb. <laughs> it's about saving the world one Snickers bar at a time. <laughs> I'm As, sorry. I, I'm sure it's just an average. Some years are higher than others, you know. But okay. I'm telling you, a $27 is not going to get you much candy these days. Okay. I just, anyway, I, I just was okay. thinking like the whole thing could solve oh, we the appreciate whole humanitarian that. crisis. In, yes, in yes. <laughs> you bought, no, I'm just kidding. 
kidding. To be honest, all, right. all I'm trying to do is delay the inevitable. Deb, Deb, what's your topic? Yeah, I do have a topic. Okay, okay. so I have a topic. Yes. <laughs> and it, as usual, you know, I, I tend to get overwhelmed by things. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed very straightforward in the beginning, and then it just got very well, exciting, but kind of complicated. And my brain kind of exploded, but I Uh-oh. am here to tell you about it anyway. So you, we really, <laughs> both of us are actually pretty amazing, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yes, yes. You've gone through many, you did say last night that I, I'm in trouble. Not meaning I'm me, in, meaning you were in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I got into a rabbit hole, but it was a fascinating rabbit hole. It was a rabbit hole that I didn't want to leave. Uh-huh. I, I liked that rabbit hole, but then I was like, if you know what's good for you, woman, crawl yourself out of this. You're crawl never going to finish. Rabbit hole. Run for your life. So anyway, so yeah. here is the big reveal. My mm-hmm. topic is Stockholm Syndrome. Oh. Ooh, you like now, it? I'll be honest. I do like it. I don't know a whole lot about it. I know well, of it. Won't. And I've heard a little bit here and there, but I don't know a whole lot. And I bet at the end of this, I will know it all. I was just going to say, you might not... <laughs> know much more about it when I get through. (laughs) Or you might have more questions than answers, which is kind of actually I say that. um, And I'm kind of not being funny. It just it it really became more complex than I originally signed up for. Mm -hmm. So um, I was thinking, okay, I definitely haven't covered it all because it ended up getting kind of big. So I thought either there will be a part two, but I know I will never do a part two. So um, (laughs) hopefully... (laughs) Honesty is the best policy. I think so. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think people know me, you know, well enough by now to know that I'll never do a part two. So, (laughs) um, so hopefully it will spark people's interest and maybe people will do their own research about anything that I didn't cover. So, um, sorry, I have the sniffles and I'm not sure why, but it's okay. I'm going to be all right. It's okay. I'm dealing with, I'm injured, but I'm pulling through. So I don't see why this should be a problem for you. Really? I mean, people, <laughs> you you are in the company of greatness. <laughs> All right. So to be honest, I didn't know a lot about Stockholm Syndrome either. Um, I, I think the first time I heard about Stockholm Syndrome, it was a song by Blink-182. <laughs> so let me just tell you what the, what the definition is. Stockholm Syndrome is a phenomenon where hostages or captives develop a psychological bond with their captors when in captivity. And I remember being really fascinated when I first looked it up because I thought, you know, I can kind of see how that would happen, I guess, depending on the on the situation. So um, these hostages or, or captives, I, I guess the strange thing about Stockholm Syndrome is that you would expect them because they fear for their lives, they're in danger, you would expect them to be fearful of whoever's holding them in captivity, but they end up forming these bonds. So I think it's kind of interesting. Anyway, what I think came up for me during this episode is that it... They tried to actually. I just want to give us little a small trigger warning. Um, when you read about Stockholm syndrome, they do sometimes use it to describe uh, certain situations of domestic violence. Um, so if anybody um, you know is in a domestic violence situation or has been, I just want to give a little trigger warning for that. I don't get very much into it, but I will mention it. Um, so what they tried to do, like in everything I read, they talked about Stockholm Syndrome um, covering various situations like hostage situations, domestic violence situations, um, child abuse situations. And what I realized is that every situation was so different that you can't really apply it to all of those things. And that's kind of what tripped me up and got me into this rabbit hole. Because um, when I read about the initial event that that, um, 
sort of was where this whole syndrome came from. Um, it's very, very different from any other event that I read about, you know, about domestic violence or whatever. So the event which sort of triggered the creation of the term Stockholm syndrome was the credit banking hostage crisis in Stockholm, Sweden. So I'm not sure, have you read at all about this? I have not. All right, then let me share my knowledge. Um, which I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but mm -hmm. I assume this is where the term Stockholm syndrome comes from. Well, exactly. There you okay. go. So um, what I will tell you, I'll tell you the story because the story actually ended up being interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but all I will tell you is that at the end of this siege, the hostages not only would not testify against their captors in court, they started raising money for their defense. That's wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh my God, what the heck happened there? So on August 23rd, 1973, Jan Eric Olson, who was a convict on parole, walked into Credit Banking on, I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly, Normal, Normal Storg <laughs> Square <laughs> in Stockholm, Sweden, with the intention of robbing it. Apparently, he pulled out a loaded uh, machine gun from oh. under his jacket. Yes. Yeah. He was prepared. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> he fired at the ceiling and said in his best American accent, the party has just begun. Oh. I'm okay. not sure this is, I don't know if this is the kind of party I want to be at, but. Not, we don't need to attend every party. We don't, do we? No. We can say no. That's right. So he wounded a policeman who was alerted by a silent alarm and took four employees hostage. Three of them were women and one of them was a man. So these were his demands. He demanded $700,000, a getaway car, the release of his friend from prison, Clark Olofsson, and that the hostages accompany them to the getaway car so that they could, you know, sort of for form a human shield. Um, mm -hmm so they could get away safely. So the police got him the money, brought his friend from prison, and arranged a blue Ford Mustang with a full tank of gas. Oh, that was nice. I know. Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking blue because red might have been a bit too flashy. Perhaps he might have rejected that. So they were going. Yeah, to... exactly. He would have and been I'm like, okay. Well, this was the 70s, but I'm sure they didn't put a tracking device or anything in there, right? Well, exactly. And I'm also thinking that maybe they didn't go for red because that would have, would have been like too easy for them to spot them as they drove away. Right. Like they thought, let's add an element of difficulty to this mm -hmm. and give them just like a mundane blue Ford Mustang. But again, it's a Mustang. But It is a Mustang with a full tank of gas. You caught mm -hmm. that, right? Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think if, the smart thing to do is ask for a full tank of gas because yeah. otherwise here's your car. You literally got seven drops of gas in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Though this was well thought out. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so the, um, as I said, the police gave them everything that they asked for. He even brought, they even brought his friend from prison. Clark. Um, Clark, that's right. Olafson. Right. Is it Olafson? Olafson. Very well done, okay. Chris. I am good like listening. team Ol Olafson. Okay. Yes. Good. I don't listening. know what he did, but I'm team Olafson. He, he was apparently quite the rock star. But anyway, that's oh, yeah. a whole other episode. <laughs> you know, I would like you to go down that road, please. <laughs> I know. Actually, I didn't go down that road. It's the only road I didn't go down, probably. Oh. But he was quite the he was quite the celebrity. Anyway, so um they but the police refused 
to let the hostages leave with the captors uh, as a human shield. And so the captor said, okay, we're taking these four hostages down to the vaults. And that's sort of how the whole thing began. So the situation captured headlines, not only in Sweden, but across the world. Um, And people started phoning into the Stockholm police stations, suggesting various ways to solve the problem. Like it was all over the news. Yeah, people, yeah, it's like, hey, way to, like, that's nice community support. Everybody needs to jump on this. (laughs) I mean, am I wrong? But isn't that like, I mean, Sweden's a Nordic country, right? But isn't that how they are portrayed as? (laughs) I guess so. Nice, you know, like practical. Yeah, Yeah, logical. Exactly. We're all in this together. And to be fair, and I don't mean this facetiously, um, nothing like a hostage situation like this had never taken place in Sweden and probably hasn't since. I have no idea. Um, So they really had no experience. Like the police had no idea, which you'll see in, you know, what I tell you. (laughs) Kind of like we don't know anything about podcasting. (laughs) And yet here we are. (laughs) And yet here we are. (laughs) Muddling through. So... Um, so one idea, I need you to focus and listen. I'm focused. One idea, which I think was brilliant, was to arrange a concert of religious tunes by a Salvation Army band. I mean, they took my idea. I had, that is, that was on the tip of my tongue as to great idea. And they already thought of it. Honestly. I don't know why any conflicts are ongoing in this world when we could just have the Salvation <laughs> Army come and sing some religious tunes. I mean, it's, it's it's so simple. It's 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 brilliant. Sometimes the simplest ideas are the best ideas, and we try to go so big and so complex when just something exactly. as simple as the exactly. Salvation Army marching band coming, singing religious tunes. Don't right. forget that. Don't, and let's remember, not just any songs. No, no, no. No. Religious songs. Got it. That's right. So I just, I don't know. I think that I need to um, get Zelensky on the line and <laughs> ask yeah, him. See what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> thought about this. <laughs> but he, that's nothing compared to the next one. Ooh. Another idea was to send a swarm of angry bees to sting the gunman into submission. Well, and... Makes all the sense in the world. I'm for it. Yep. However, Uh now, I mean, this is 73, you said, Mm -hmm, 1973. mm -hmm. So, you know, the concern for the life of the bee wasn't as it is now, you know, because when they sting, they die and we cannot, we have to save the bees. That's on our Back then we didn't think about that. But. That's right. Do they need to train the bees first only to get the robbers? Because what about the poor? I mean, I'm concerned for the. Yeah. The hostages. Well, you see, this is exactly what I was thinking, but this is how I think they probably would have solved that. I think that they were going to enlist the help of the spy squirrels in <gasps> Iran. That they, is they're trained. smart thinking. And not, That's right. You know. No. That's I like right. It. And I think that they were going to train the, the swarm of angry bees. And I need you to focus on the fact that the, the key word here is angry bees. <laughs> because if... <laughs> <laughs> because those happy-go-lucky ones were not invited to the party. I know. And it, the happy ones, if you, you know, anybody who's, any bee that has its, you know, problems <laughs> solved and all its, you know, ducks in a row is not going to perform. It's not going to do the task. You need angry bees. Well, in case, you know, the angry bees, <laughs> let's make sure they're not religious bees because now <laughs> you can really get them angry by having the Salvation Army come in 
<gasps> they can play their religious tunes that'll really anger the bees. That's <laughs> and then, you know, sting them into submission. You see, maybe this was the problem. They thought of these as two separate ideas, whereas if they had combined them, oh, Chris, you and I, our brilliance is wasted on yes. the world. They could have called us, but we were a tad young then. Yeah. <laughs> but we might have been smarter even when we were <laughs> than the people calling these things in. All right. So what instead of taking up, you know, people taking up these ideas that people were offering, what they decided to do, which is so boring, is to hire a criminologist and psychiatrist called Nils Bejero to negotiate with the gunman. It's like, you know, that's been done I'm before. So- I- I'm sorry. I'm the type of person that always goes you know, kind of to the side. Uh huh. What about the poor guy who had to answer the phone and take each one of these suggestions and write them down? <laughs> His job is to answer the phone and yeah. listen to it and say that we're going to take that into consideration. Thank you so much for trying to help. We appreciate it. <laughs> well, there you go. Somebody has to do it, Chris. I mean, you can't just be, be either the hostage or the hostage taker in this situation. Somebody has to answer that phone. <laughs> Well, right, because, of course, it was, you know, corded phones back then. It doesn't sound like they had cell phones. Someone had to sit there and wait for these lovely suggestions to come in. There you so go. So what did you say we're going to do? We're going to call in, like, a psychologist and a criminologist? Yes, so they enlisted the help of Nils Bejero, who was a criminologist and psychiatrist, to um, help with the negotiation with the, with the gunman. So he entered the bank to speak with the gunman and ended up agitating Olsen so much that he shot at him. Olsen was the <laughs> original gunman. Yeah. it's. I mean, imagine if he had agitated the bees. Now all hell would have broken loose. What, I'm, like, I'm confused for one second. What was the name of the bank robber? Olsen. And, the, uh, and the, his friend was Olafson. Olafson. Can you see my confusion? <laughs> I can totally see your confusion. Yeah. Believe okay. me. I'm the one who had to research this. It was- okay. <laughs> Tell me this. Is Clark involved anymore? Okay, so Clark and Olafson are the same thing. It's Clark Right, Olufsen. Clark Olafson. But so, he what he Yeah, but he was from the prison. So That's right. But is he involved again because other, so I can just put him out of my mind? No, no, no. Keep him in your mind. You need him front and center in your mind because he, they brought him from prison and now he's helping Olsen keep these hostages. Oh. Hostage. I yes, misunderstood. He is. Okay. But you see, I'm probably not explaining it very well. And then when you like, throw bees into the whole equation, it just. I know. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Excuse me, listeners, because obviously I wasn't, I thought I was focused, but okay. No. Who originally went to go rob the bank? Olson. Olson. Probably had yes. a first name, but we don't know. Okay. Jan. Jan Olson. Yes. He was by Jan himself? Eric Olson, but. I just, you know, I'm trying to simplify things. Ja- so Jan Olson, he was by himself. Oh, he was by himself. So he he took the four hostages by himself. Yes. Okay. So this is a, a loan thing. Now, one of his demands was to bring his friend out of prison. Yep. Which is Clark. Yep. Okay. So, so now Clark, Clark is went with- into his phone booth, took off his suit. <laughs> He's not Superman. Now. <laughs> he might be by the end of the story. He could be. Maybe he's the hero. I don't know. <laughs> he is in so, my mind, meow. He's outside with the policeman, yes? Okay, I, I need, I, why does it have to be so specific? I don't know well, because if it's outside or inside. I got confused over the names at first, and now I think they're together. Because you said, uh, you said Olsen shot him, but I thought you said Olofsson shot him, so I got confused. So I'm just separating from myself. Okay. 
Okay, Clark is outside. Is... Jan is inside. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. Okay, so they brought Clark. <laughs> and now Clark and Olsen are together with the four hostages. They let him in, in the, the bank? bank? Yes. That was a demand. <laughs> I didn't know he actually had to go in the bank. I thought it was just to let him out. Oh, you mean like, no, he was oh. like, I need him to, okay. but To see, help me? I, <laughs> I need exactly. a partner? Yeah, I need, it's just like, I couldn't do this podcast without you and you can do it without me. Jen clearly cannot handle this hostage situation by himself without Clark. Bring in Clark. Oh, okay. So I never understood that he was going in. Okay. So now we've got Olafson and Olson in the bank together. Okay. Sorry. Oh my God. Why? Why? (laughs) But Deb, as you can see, I'm focused and I'm listening and I am in tune. Yeah, I'm making sure I got my details correct. Go ahead. Okay. To be honest, you're doing great. And to be honest, even to be honester, um, <laughs> maybe I'm not delivering the information correctly. And it could I don't be. Even... Maybe you missed o- trying to con- make it concise. Maybe you missed the step where you said, you know, so they've allowed <laughs> this him is the real bank information. to become a second <laughs> robber. One wasn't enough. Let's bring <laughs> this guy in. So now we have to deal with two. Exactly. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Okay. okay. Are we okay? To, are we good to We're go? Good. I understand. Please continue. <laughs> this is such a classic Deb episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what happened is that, so as we've established, Olsen and Clark are with the hostages and the, what's his name? Um, Bejerel, who is the negotiator who's working with the police, goes into the bank, agitates Olsen, because clearly he's not very good at negotiating. (laughs) Not their best choice. Moving on. (laughs) Exactly. Which is actually a very critical point in this whole uh, thing. He agitates Olsen. And while Olsen... So Olsen shoots at him. He doesn't hurt him. Um, Clark, get this tries to console Kristen and Mark. She's one of the hostages. Mm-hmm. Um, he holds her hand and says, I want to see that Jan doesn't hurt you. Oh my Isn't God. It rom- Isn't it romantic? I know. It's like something I'd watch on the soaps. Oh, <gasps> I know. But you know what? It's really not like, funny. It isn't but- funny. But on the other hand, it right. just adds to what I picture. Yeah. I, like I said, I hope I'm right when I say that Sweden is a Nordic country. Is it considered a Nordic country? I think. Oh, you're asking maybe the, the wrong person. person I know, Earth, but, but you're yeah. the only one here. <laughs> so you're the I, only if, one here, <laughs> <laughs> and even that's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, Nordic. I mean, what the hell? If Sweden, Finland, and Norway aren't Nordic, what the hell country is Nordic? Well, I would th- think I, I'm pretty sure they are. But if I've accidentally called it the wrong country well that's why we're here to learn okay i screwed up anyway but it's what you picture like just nice people so here it is i'm gonna rob the bank bring my friend in he's gonna join me yeah and then um i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna take you hostage but nothing's gonna happen i promise and i'm gonna shoot at him but not hit him i'm just gonna shoot at him he's really annoying oh my chris it's so nice are getting it so much and to be it's really not funny because this is the whole thing that they were nice so Hmm. anyway let me just let me just continue and Uh presumably good looking um or maybe that's just in my mind (laughs) (laughs) we've decided they're hot okay i know okay this is terrible oh my god we okay anyway we're suffering (laughs) 
<laughs> we have seen way too many. Um, we actually, it's funny. I was reading that. Okay, this is again. I, I tried to make this a short episode, and it's going to be like Not one working. of those like sagas. <laughs> um, but like Beauty and the Beast is actually mm-hmm. the same thing. You know, True. where Belle True. sort of falls in love with her captor. I mean, oh, you're brilliant. So what Enmark says in an interview in 2016, which actually isn't very um, long ago. Mm-hmm. She said that in that moment when, like, she could see why Olsen reacted like that because the other guy was sort of doing such a terrible job negotiating um, that he agitated him or whatever. So when Clark was trying to console her, she says, I didn't feel safe exactly, but he gave me hope that this was going to be okay, that somebody cared that she made it out okay. So this was sort of the first, like, indication. I mean, it was it was getting clearer and clearer that there was, I mean, to be honest, they didn't go into that bank looking to hurt people. Right. He went into the bank looking for money. All right. So it seems logical to me that she, you know, through their sort of friendly behavior, it became clear to her that they weren't, they had no intention of hurting the hostages. They were just trying to think of their own survival and how to get out of the bank without getting their heads blown off. Right. That's what I'm thinking is that they really, they were just using them as, uh, you know, they had no intention of harming them. Yeah, exactly. And this is what they start to understand. So um, Olsen, apparently, Olsen, who I guess after he calmed down, after being agitated, um, like those damn bees, um, Mm -hmm. Olsen is said to have draped a wool jacket around Enmark's shoulders when she got cold. Aww. I know. And console, okay, maybe we're being, (laughs) this is a serious thing that we're making fun of. (laughs) Well, it's turned into, it's quite an interesting story. Well, it is because I think that it just goes to show how intricate personalities, every situation is different. Mm -hmm. I mean, they ended up not fearing for their lives uh, at all by these guys because clearly that's, they didn't go there with the intention of hurting them. Um, Olsen also consoled Birgitta Lindblad when she couldn't reach her family on the phone. He kept saying to her, try again, don't give up. So he was being... (laughs) I know. Um, Enmark said that they started to feel more endangered by the police's behavior, behavior than the gunmen's, mm-hmm. which is also like the whole sort of gist of this. Um, right. He, oh, sorry, sorry a second. So I guess what she was, Enmark was saying is that he like, uh, what's his name? Berger. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Uh, Bergero. Um ended up agitating the gunman to the point where he was putting the lives of the hostages more in danger than the actual, you know, than the actual robbery itself. (laughs) Exactly. She criticized the police for pointing guns at the captors while the hostages were in the line of fire. Mm -hmm. And she even said that the captors tried to protect the hostages from being in the line of fire. Um, Yeah. I know. I know. It's amazing. She asked to speak to Bejereau. Uh, to explain that they were safe. She was in the situation. Uh, so th- this is it. Like she, she wanted to speak to Bejero to explain that you're going about this all wrong. Like we are mm-hmm. actually safe. If you just let us like guide them to the car and even let us get in the car, they will release us. Like we, we know these people, you know, mm-hmm. like all they want to do is get away. Um, but Bejero was so, I'm not, I'm going to say, I don't know, chauvinistic or something like that. Um, he wouldn't even I'm speak to say her on the he phone. probably, I'm going to say that he probably had a um, big head and he figured this was going to make the big news and he wanted to look like the hero. Oh, I know these guys psychologically, that isn't what they're thinking and ba, 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 ba. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I think that, okay, well, let me just explain something about, like, let me just go uh, a little bit further in my notes, and then we'll talk exactly about what you just said. Um, so he completely refused to speak to her. And she uh, said in a live broadcast from the vault, so this is her speaking, the police are playing with our lives. They don't even want to talk to me. And I am the one who will die if anything happens. So she got so fed up that, you know, nobody was listening to her because she's the one who had insight into the situation. I mean, she had, she could see everything, you know, lucidly and clearly. And, and yep. she was really the one who they should have been speaking to, to get all the interest intricacies about what was going on. And this guy, you know, didn't want to speak to her. So what does she do? She asks them to get the prime minister of Sweden on the line. As Olaf, Olaf Palm. <laughs> Palm. Oh, I'm sorry. Really Olaf sure. what? Well, it's P-A-L-M-E. So I don't know if it's Palm or Palme or. <laughs> well, let's or, go with Olaf, not to be confused with Olafson. Olaf. That's, I know. I know. Oh, no wonder I, I got. I need, no wonder I got into this rabbit hole. I need the names on my wall with red lines going down. <laughs> and <laughs> I got it. I got it. Prime Minister Olaf. Got it. I can totally see you doing that. So she said, and these are her words again, I fully trust Clark and the robber. I'm not desperate. They haven't done a thing to us. On the contrary, they have been quite nice. But you know, Olaf, Olaf what I'm scared of is that the police will attack and cause us to die. What Olaf replied, who's the prime minister, as we said, um, he said, well, Kristen, you can't get out of the bank. You will have to content yourself that you will have died at your post. <gasps> oh, my God. This is the prime. Yeah. He said, I will not give in to the demands of criminals. Oh. So he like he's his whole thing was he was so stuck on not giving to the demands to the demands of the criminals that he wasn't really thinking about their overall safety. Right. You know, like he was, he was so, I don't want I don't know what the word is. Is it chauvinistic? Is it arrogant? I'm not really sure what it is. It's, but you can't just say, you know, you know, the textbook tells us we don't give into criminals when there was, it was clear that the criminals weren't actually going to harm anybody. The worst that was going to happen is that they were actually going to get away. Right. But, and, were they really going to get away? Because if the police were on it, they had people waiting to nab them, you know? Exactly. I mean, exactly. I assume back then they had an all points bulletin and it, it sounds like Sweden <laughs> didn't have a big crime thing. So everybody would have been looking for this blue Mustang. That exactly. And to be honest, it was really their own fault for filling that tank up. I mean. Well, true. Really. But was it a demand? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. That's fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, she replied to the prime minister. She said, I don't want to be a dead hero. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So uh, Bejero, um this is when he coined the phrase. He actually called it Normalmstrog syndrome, which was the name of the square where the bank was, which mm -hmm. and it eventually got changed to Stockholm syndrome. Because what people are saying now is that he he tried to like find this catch-all phrase that would explain why somebody would have this irrational animosity towards the police and an emotional or sexual attachment to the captors. So what um, he was essentially saying is that he, he essentially gaslit her. Like he mm -hmm. was like, 
instead of recognizing that she was extremely lucid, she was extremely in her full intelligence, she knew exactly what was going on, she was giving solid sort of solutions to how to get out of the situation alive. I mean, all the police could think about was capturing these guys. um, And they were putting the lives of the hostages in danger. So, um, you know, instead of like actually thinking, okay, this is a person who we should be working with to get out of this situation, he just gaslighted the whole experience. Like, okay, she's got this strange, um, you know, attraction or whatever to to her captors, and this must be a syndrome. It must be an illness. It must be a weakness. It must be something. So, Australian Jess Hill, who is an investigative uh, journalist, wrote a book on domestic violence in 2019 called "See What You Made Me Do," and she says that the Stockholm syndrome, as it was coined by Bejerow, um was steeped in misogyny and founded on a lie. Um, so it, essentially what what she was saying is that Bergerot and in general, like the mentality in the 1970s, couldn't handle a woman staying calm and rational in an emergency situation and insisting that her voice be heard. They dismissed her um, seeming, you know, affection for her captors as like an inexplicable crush or a weakness based on emotions when really she was just assessing the situation really for what it was. I think, didn't we say, yeah, didn't we say, I mean, it just amazes me that as recent as the Mm -hmm. Mm seventies, women were still considered um, inferior and, you know, and fluffy brains. Yes, our emotions run us. And, but then again, if you think about back to the RBG episode, Mm-hmm. it matches up remember she was fighting for women's rights in the 70s we're like really in the 70s yeah, yeah. exactly which isn't that <laughs> long yet, ago it sounds like a complete fake syndrome like he it, made it up exactly, he pulled it out of the air exactly and that's actually let me just skip to that part in my notes because um what what the research is saying is firstly it's a very hard phenomenon. I'm going to call it a, a phenomenon, not a syndrome or an illness or whatever. It's it's really hard to research because, you know, there aren't that many hostage situations in mm-hmm. the world. And apparently they've only noticed, you know, Stockholm syndrome in like 8% of the, the situation. So it's hard to get like a good basis uh, to perform any kind of real testing. But what mm. they said is that Stockholm syndrome has never made it into the statistical manual of mental disorders, which is the basis for the diagnosis of psychiatric illnesses and disorders in the U S um, it, it's never made it into that. It's never become an official diagnosis, as you mm-hmm. said, simply because every situation is different. Um, for instance, I don't know if you're, I kind of remember this actually in Austria, Natasha Kampuch was ad- abducted when she was 10 years old. And, um, she also doesn't accept the Stockholm syndrome theory. She was held in a basement for eight years by her captor and she ended up escaping. I can't remember when, but it was fairly recent because I kind of remember it. And, um, he ended up when, when he realized that she had escaped, he ended up throwing himself in front of a train, And uh, she cried when she found out that he had died and lit a candle for him in the mortuary. And she says, looking for normalcy within the framework of a crime is not a syndrome. It's a survival strategy. I see that. that Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was reading too about domestic violence that, you know, it's so easy for somebody outside of that situation to say, well, why didn't she tell the police or why didn't she... um, stand up to him or whatever, but they're, they're really just trying to survive right. in, in that moment. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there are like a lot of, you know, domestic violence is, um, 
has to do with, you know, anger on the part of the abuser. So it mm-hmm. makes sense to me to do anything in your power to try to prevent one of those to angry soothe, to, outbursts. Right. To, you know, to uh, soothe things over. And exactly. a lot of times, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but it, they're, believe it or not, safer staying where they are yep. than trying to leave. Plus a I lot of people, it. you know, a lot of, in. I'm going to use women. I mean, there's always right. the opposite. But um, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're moms, they have children, uh, yeah. you know, they may be stay at home, maybe not. But I mean, there's a lot that you can't just up and leave. <laughs> exactly. Your, your life think... just because something's happening, you know, getting up and leaving isn't as easy as everyone likes to think it is. You know, exactly. you can't just up and leave. Exactly. And you know? it kind of reminds me, it might be a bit of a stretch, but it reminded me, remember the episode we did on depression and comedy, how... Mm-hmm. You know, comedians who suffered from extreme depression uh, often were from families that were, you know, abusive or um, negligent or whatever. And sometimes they made light of the situation because it made them feel like they had some sort of control over it. Like it was much easier to feel like, like to to find humor. I'm not saying anything about domestic violence is is funny, but what my I guess my point is that everybody uses whatever method they can to make a situation as bearable as possible. And that's, and I feel like an underlying thing here is that it's almost like insulting the intelligence of a woman. For as I, I also know, you know, of course, that domestic violence goes both ways, but um, using women as an example, you know, it's, it's like insulting the intelligence of a woman who stays in, a, in an abusive situation or Kristen, you know, one of the hostages from the Stockholm um, situation, it, when really they were just doing what they had to do to bring the um, situation to as safe a close as possible. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you know or if it's in your notes. Um, did you ever hear of Patty Hearst? Yes, I, it was. I didn't. I'm glad you brought it up because I I did read about it in my research, but I didn't. Um, I didn't. I, I have don't time. <laughs> think this kind of falls under the same thing because they claimed she had Stockholm syndrome. Yes, they did. However, yeah. I listened to another podcast, but I think there's <laughs> books and everything, and she's written a book, and this mm-hmm. was came out of her books. You know, she had to go into. I think it was the bank. Or mm-hmm. I don't remember. She had to go rob and pretend that um, she had to fire a gun and say that she was for mm-hmm. their cause and everything mm-hmm. else. Bump up, and it wasn't because she sided with them. It was to survive. But they decided right. she mm-hmm. was now the enemy. Yes. She uh, she sides with them now. You know, she has so- Stockholm syndrome and she's flipped over to them. When in fact, actually, she said no. I had to do it or I was going to die. Exactly. Uh, but nobody ever believed her. That, and in fact, she went to jail it. for following the um, her captor's orders just right. so she could survive. But because she nobody believed her, they all said, oh, no, no. It's unbelievable. And the exact same thing happened with Enmark, with Kristen uh, Enmark in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, people started speculating that she was actually in it from the beginning, that she was collaborating with them. It didn't make any sense that she was so friendly with them. Like they were trying to essentially say she was crazy right. when really she was just trying to handle the situation as as best yeah. she could you know it's- no i mean that's i mean it's amazing and they were like like you said clark was like oh use the phone to the other girl call your family yeah. let them know you're okay uh yeah. you know she's telling everybody we're fine just give yeah. them what they need 
you yeah. know, but no, they were too hung up on. And I mean, I don't want to say you know, yeah. protocol. And I mean, if you listen to enough true crime podcasts <laughs> and everything, yeah, I'm going to say the seventies. And I mean, at least in the U S and probably all over. Mm-hmm. Wasn't your strongest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it came to yeah. handling anything, you know, yeah. <laughs> they were there for certain things, but there were yeah. a lot of things that they would mishandle a lot and it sounds like this is they never really dealt with this before so they didn't know what to do they just knew yeah you know they had to get their guy because if they didn't can you imagine how bad they'd look yeah exactly and that became more important to them than listening to this person who had the best sort of bird's eye view of what was going on and um and and saving the hostages lives so uh anyway so mm-hmm. I, I guess all of this to say that there's a lot of controversy about Stockholm syndrome because it seems to be, um, you know, people just want to say that it's this weird spell that people come under and uh, it's some sort of weakness on their part and how could they possibly, yeah, go on. Well, I was thinking when you first started the story, I was thinking, well, if they weren't treated badly and they've, they're kept hostage long enough, this is how it develops. But now I've decided mm-hmm. it's just completely bull it's bull crap i think he just made it up he wanted to get his name on onto papers the most famous story he wanted to get his name out there and he made it up exactly he was trying yeah (laughs) i mean as i said at the beginning there are a lot of intricacies like there are there's i mean we're at an hour now so i don't want to go on too much but there are lots of other things that happen in hostage situations and in domestic violence situations like um i was reading that dr frank ochberg who is the one who kind of took stockholm syndrome and and ran with it and defined defined it further for the fbi and scotland yard Mm -hmm. he said people experience something terrifying and are certain they are going to die they experience a type of infantilization where like a child, they are unable to eat, speak, or go to the toilet without permission. So what happens is that when the gunman or the hostage taker or whatever lets them go to the bathroom, let's say, they're like, God, he's like, you know, he's like, actually the male, sorry, I didn't finish that thought, but the male hostage in this case um, said that you essentially start to think of them as gods because they let you do the most basic things. And you're thinking, wow, that was really nice of him to let me do that. But that's mm-hmm. not craziness or insanity. The, I don't know. It makes all the sense in the world to me. It does to me too. I don't think it's a syndrome. I think it's a coping mechanism. It's survival. Like she, like she said, yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with what that guy said. Yeah. And I think that's just how you cope. Could you imagine being ca- held captive, say, for a length of time, you're mm-hmm. going to de- depend on that one. Yeah. Whether he's your captor or not, you know, exactly. you're going to yeah, depend exactly. on that person. Well, exactly. And you're going to cooperate. And mm-hmm. uh, and again, I, like every situation is different. Um, because in this case, I think that I feel like Kristen uh, wasn't cooperating because she feared that she might anger them. She was cooperating because she really felt that they just wanted to get out of there. They really weren't in any right. danger at all. Anyway, so just to bring this to a close, the police ended up tear gassing oh, the geez. whole vault. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> tell me there weren't angry yeah. bees in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And tell me the tear, like, so what did the tear gas only go to the captors and like mm. avoid the hostages altogether? Anyway, so anyway, they ended up, uh, coming out of the vaults and uh, arresting them. So, okay, mm-hmm. yes, I guess the police got, you know, I guess you could argue that, all right, what the police did ended up, you know, saving the hostages and capturing the the captors. But 
I think that they could have prevented a lot of anxiety and stress and quality of life for the hostages <laughs> if they had just listened to them. You know, not only that. So you're tear gassing them. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that it wasn't going to anger the hostage? You know, the the robbers. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. they weren't going to turn around and just start shooting at everything in sight. Yeah, exactly. Who, it was more dangerous. Just, that, that just seemed to me like a very reckless thing to do. We'll just tear gas yeah. and go in there and hope that we. I mean, they could have come out with two hostages by mistake. And say, oh shoot, wrong ones. Next. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, I don't think they accomplished anything. It was just pure luck. And yeah. by the sounds of these guys, they probably stepped mm-hmm. forward so they would get caught before the hostages got hurt. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And they do say in, in the research, they did say that um, they were like hugging and, you know, saying goodbye to each other at the at the door of the vault, you know, between the hostages and the, mm-hmm. and the, the gunmen. So it was actually a really moving story. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And uh, Olson and so um, Clark ended up his conviction. They both got convicted, obviously. Clark's mm-hmm. conviction ended up getting overturned in, in an appeals court. Um, Olson ended up spending, hang on a second. He ended up getting out of jail. Oh, shoot. I can't remember if it was 19, I think it was in 1980. He got out of jail um, and he married one of the thousands of women who was writing to him in jail. <laughs> you know what? I'm always against, I always think, no offense. Manson, oh, you hear it with uh, all, mm. all the you know serial killers and stuff. They get all mm-hmm. kinds of mail and, and marriage proposals and everything, which I think is just God. crazy. Why? I mean, yeah. I don't get it, but that's a whole yeah. different syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys, yeah. I, I mean, they wanted money. They didn't want all they lives. wanted was some money. That's it. I know. Now, should they? Don't we all? And what about Paul Clark? Paul oh, Clark so got Clark? thrown into this. I know. <laughs> Like, Clark didn't I, say, you know, he, they weren't scribbling notes to each other. And then they said, okay, I'm, so I'm going to ask you to come and then you join me. I mean, yeah. what was he to do? <laughs> um, people speculated actually that Kristen and Clark uh, ended up getting engaged, but there was no research to oh, okay. uh, support yeah. that. But and I mean, how could, how could they send Clark to, like, how could they even put any charges against him when the police brought him to yeah, him actually yeah and said, go into the bank yeah exactly so he goes into the bank and there's a guy with a gun his friend has a gun am i gonna sit there saying you know you you're gonna brilliant. try to talk about you're kind of brilliant because it's like a, like he was the fifth hostage really yeah <laughs> well that's probably why his conviction his conviction his conviction was overturned yeah but it, um, it was overturned which means he was convicted yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. They wanted blood. Um, but Olson ended up getting out of jail, marrying one of his fans, mm-hmm. moving to Thailand, and writing a book. Oh. I think I need to read that book. Yeah. yeah. So he's living the life. Good for him. <laughs> I'm Team Olson and Ol- and Clark. And Clark. I'm, n- I'm not Team Olaf. I'm not Team no. Dingbat. And the police <laughs> department. I mean, I'm sure they've improved and I'm sure they're fantastic. And to be fair, I really believe that the police just had no idea what to do. So they were like looking through the manual. Exactly. I mean, so to be I'll, honest, it's, yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry. I'll give them that. But uh, yeah, I'm glad everybody escaped unscathed. But the, yes. the syndrome, a pile of crap. Yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, like, you know, Chris, I hope that we won't ever be hostages. Um, 
And I hope we won't also ever be the authorities that have to solve a hostage crisis situation. I don't um, really think I don't know if that I could have second half of that sentence is going to be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You never know. Life, it's this crazy thing called life. You never know what might happen. But let's, let's not judge, okay? They did the best <laughs> they could. Uh, I think that the whole problem started when they did not accept the proposal to bring in those angry bees. I, I think um, so. Little yeah. religious music, little angry bees, this would have been solved. Now, let me ask you this. Exactly. So you probably don't have an answer for me, but I'll ask you anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What charges were they brought up on? I'm curious. Good question. I mean, and I'm Robert, curious bank because, robbery? Yeah. Well, yes, but was it up for like attempted murder charges, those kind of things? Because my question is, you know, the hostages were going in, you told me, and... um. Didn't they go to court and like uh, they were on the hostages side? They were the the hostages would not testify against the captors. Right, that's what I'm yes. trying to say, but I didn't say mm -hmm. it well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's my thumb. But it, I, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but I was wondering what the charges were. Were they much bigger? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, oh, you you know, attempted murder or you know, kidnapping with know. intent to? I was kind of curious of what the charges were. It seems. Uh, because we could couldn't fight up. against the bank robber, but it seems like there should have been more charges than that. And that is why they wouldn't testify against, I'm thinking, maybe not. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know. I don't know what the, what what's it called? Like kidnapping and hostage taking. I'm not sure what the, the charges might be for that, but we can look that up for sure. Yes. Google probably. All knows. right. <laughs> so that's as I said, I you know, I don't want anybody to think that listening to this episode they have like a 100% thorough analysis of Stockholm syndrome because there's a lot more information out there, but this I just these are the things that I decided to zero in on and hopefully it was interesting. Okay, well I have a question. Uh -huh. Oh boy. Wow. <laughs> well, you said You're you were looking, going down some rabbit holes. Yes. And then you decided to back out. In those rabbit holes, did you see anything that defended that Stockholm syndrome actually truly exists? Like it's an actual syndrome. Did you see any evidence that it actually, no. it wasn't just a thing that this guy pulled out of his ass, that this was actually something that No, No, I really didn't. Again, I'm okay. not like a very thorough <laughs> researcher probably, but every, firstly, every situation is different. Um, Another girl, sorry, and I can't remember her name. I should know this. She was held captive by four, um, I don't know, anyway, captors. Mm -hmm. And she, though the whole ordeal ended, she ended up committing suicide. And in her note, she said, these four people understood me better than anybody has ever understood me in my entire life. You've got your blood now for her killing herself. Mm -hmm. Let them go. So anyway, I, I don't know if I answered your question, but my point is that it's there was nothing to support that Stockholm syndrome is a real syndrome because every situation was different. Right. Um, and also, I think that things like, you know, survival and coping mechanisms, those are already covered by psychiatric um you know, terminology and coping mechanisms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't think, I don't think Stockholm syndrome adds anything to, to no. things that have already been established. 
he just couldn't get his head around like, okay, he, he just had a very linear way of thinking, very black mm-hmm. and white. Like we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. He had no sense of the nuances that people, you know, any kind of relationship can be formed between any kind of people. You never right. know sort of what dynamic is going to be formed. So all he had, as I said, is, you know, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. And it makes no sense that you would be friendly with them. End of story. I need to name this something because mm-hmm. it just makes no sense in my brain because he didn't want to get into the nitty gritty of right. the very intricate details of what was actually going on in that specific. You, you mean the very intricate detail of, hey, they're not bothering us. They just want yeah. their car. He yeah. couldn't get into that. That didn't make no. sense. Exactly. You see, he's being very kind to us. They're fine. They just want their money and go. Yeah. If we have to go with them, we'll, but they, you know, we trust that they're going to let us go. We're fine going. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Couldn't see not that. I can it. understand that was really difficult to get. It was. I mean, and to be honest, he didn't even, and this is the other thing, he he refused to speak to Kristen on the phone. Right. Yeah. You know. So I think that says a lot too yeah. about dismissing mm. her. And I don't know, would he have dismissed the male hostage? I'm not sure. Well, it I didn't hear really him matter. speaking up, did you? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Everybody put Kristen in front <laughs> to do all the talking. <laughs> anyway, go, let's wrap go. this up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that was very interesting. Thank you. I hope Yay. that I um, I was focused. I was involved. You were. You were fantastic. And you I overcame like a, my injury. You certainly did. I think it was my riveting topic. It was a good topic. <sighs> oh, yay. <laughs> I'm glad. I didn't know the story <laughs> behind it. And to be honest, like I said, other than the Patty Hearst thing, I really didn't know much more than that. And, yeah. and with Patty Hearst, like I said, they decided she had it. She didn't. She was just trying to survive. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I hope that everybody got a little bit of insight into Stockholm Syndrome. I think it's fascinating. And uh, I love all that psychological stuff. You know that. Oh, yeah, well, and I also the think... religious stuff. Okay. Let's do this. Well, speaking of Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram, I think everybody out there needs to know that they can co- connect with us at Today We Laughed and Learned. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, we're at Today We Laughed. And you can drop us a line at todaywelaughedgmail.com. And please, if you're enjoying this lovely podcast, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you've subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And please rate the episode. Why? Well, the more listeners uh, we get and the more highly rated episodes we get, the more we move up the little podcast chart. And I want to give a little quick shout out to an app called Good Pods. Mm-hmm. Um, we are actually doing quite well on that, mm-hmm. uh, on that platform. So if you want an easy platform to listen on, download good pods. Mm-hmm. And it's fun on there. I like it. I do too. And thank you to everybody who actually has gone on there. They've rated our episodes. They've subscribed. So we're yeah. happy with it. We sure and, are. And thanks everybody. <laughs> and that's it. Okay. Deb, I can definitely say that today we laughed even with my injury. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, way to overcome that. (laughs) And we definitely learned all about the Stockholm Syndrome. Fantastic. You have a great night. night. You too. Bye, Bye, everyone.